SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we're going to give you our Major League Baseball picks. David Bierman of ESPN.com going to break down some PGA action. And lastly, we're going to have one of the sharpest in Vegas, Bill Krakenberger. He already messaged me on Twitter. He said he has some great preseason betting advice that he wants to give out to the public. First, it is our West Coast wake up. If you're just waking up with us, you missed at the top of the hour or at the top of the show. We told you a same game parlay last night that ended up hitting mm. the Colorado Rockies. Thank you. To Colorado. CJ Cron, also, thank you. Walk off home run leads to not only a Rockies win, it leads to the Cron uh, home run prop, which Tom Vecchio gave out to us yesterday, in addition to the under 12 and a half, which was Ben's best bet of the day. So Ben's best bet plus Tom's best bet plus my best bet ends up cashing in. And congrats to Eron7329435 on Twitter. He placed the bet. It was a $10 bet that made him just over, I think it was $157 was what he made. It was a plus 1476 odds on the FanDuel book. Congratulations to Eron, and congratulations to us here on the show for cashing in on this bet, Ben. Shout out to Eron, whoever you are out there. Great stuff. Come on the show, reveal yourself. Not often do people tell you when you give out a same game parlay and a closing breath to end up TB'd up, but I'm glad somebody did. Shout out Eron for doing that and cashing in plus 1476 of plus money value on a same game parlay. That's what we love. A small wager, a huge payout, and a big opportunity. Shout out to everybody in Colorado last night, even the Padres for not scoring all that many runs and not enough runs to go over beating that 12 and a half total and not beating the Colorado Rockies as it stood in CJ Crone, a walk-off winner at Coors Field. An absolute thing of beauty. Sometimes things come together in a way that you can hardly ever expect but they end up with a sweet plus money price area. Absolutely love it. Now, someone else yesterday, if you were to bet their home run prop, you don't necessarily cash it twice. You only get the one prop for the home run prop. But Chris Bryant for the San Francisco Giants ends up hitting two home runs last night, and it ends up being a San Francisco win yesterday. Now I have to get the final score. I'm the worst. Anyway, uh, Chris Bryant, two home runs. Ben, pretty impressive. Very, very impressive. And the Giants still holding a four-game lead in the National League West because despite the fact the Dodgers have won four straight in eight of their last ten, the Giants continue to keep pace as well. And Ariel, if I'm not mistaken, I believe last night's win for San Francisco was their 77th of the year. It was indeed 77-42 and 42 overall, which I believe it cashes 76. on their team win total already which was 76 in the hook or just 76 straight up regardless they went over last night wow 
doesn't matter. Cash in the season. And San Francisco Giants already cash in their win total. They probably are the first ones to do it, would be my guess, Ben. I would have to think so. And they are minus 125 to win the NL West divisional odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. What's an interesting thing about this market now, although the Dodgers trail by four games, they are also in minus money at minus 105. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, hour three of the morning after, you're listening on Sirius XM, channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. I am Ben Stevens. She is Ariel Epstein. This is our West Coast wake-up. Going back and surfing through the National League West to recap last night's action on the Major League Baseball card. The San Francisco Giants winners, the Dodgers winners, the Rockies winners in walk-off fashion, and the Giants, a minus 125 odds-on favorite to win the National League West right now on FanDuel. The Dodgers also in that minus money category at minus 105. So the book looking out for their liability here, Ariel, on the L.A. Dodgers, despite the fact the Dodgers trail the Giants in the divisional standings by four games at the moment. All I could think about yesterday watching the Giants, or excuse me, watching the Dodgers and Pirates game was what Jack and Dave Sherapen were doing because they were thinking this was going to be the best game ever. Pittsburgh Pirates fans out there, you were probably watching this game so closely because this was one of the closest and best games you're going to get all season. The Pirates do lose 2-1 to one to the Dodgers. It was 1-1 for a while, and the Dodgers were heavy, heavy favorites. I mean, this line opened at minus... 510 according to Action Network. It closed to minus 270. I don't think that's accurate. Minus 510 is way too much. Probably a minus 310 would be my guess. That seems a little excessive, Action Network. But I was just looking at uh, where these lines opened, and to see that the Dodgers, who were close to minus 300, end up getting it at 2-1? to one? Ugh, Pittsburgh Pirates are just bad. I just was laughing, thinking about all those Pirates fans who were so excited that they thought they really had a shot over this Dodgers team. But the Dodgers have been struggling, Ben. I mean, pitching-wise, they've had some issues. Clayton Kershaw was on the I.L. for a little bit. You don't have Trevor Bauer. You do get Max Scherzer, who's been incredible since coming over from Washington. When it comes to the Dodgers in the futures market, minus 105, do you see that as value? Oh, I did not see that as value. No, I don't. Because you had a plus money price on them just a few days ago. There's not a lot of value left on the Dodgers. They're plus 155 to win the National League pennant. When you look at the World Series odds, plus 340. These are all shorter than where they were prior to the year. I don't think there's a ton of value on the Dodgers. There's not really any value on the Dodgers on a game-to-game basis either. So if you're just a Dodgers fan, root for them to win the National League West or get back to the World Series. I know where we can find value. It's on the PGA board. And coming up next, we're going to talk with ESPN.com's David Bierman. There's some long shots, outright winners, props, all coming up next here on SiriusXM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
to the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, ESPN.com's David Bierman to break down the Northern Trust this weekend in the PGA. David, thanks for coming on with us this morning. Hey, how you guys doing? I figured I'd give you a break from uh, preseason football and Major League Baseball pennant races and talk some golf. I love it, and you can find value on the golf boards. But before we get to the names that you're looking at, what do betters have to know about this course? They have to know that it's a course that that not many of these guys have played often. The Northern Trust has rotated, or let's call it the first playoff event, has rotated between New York and Boston the last couple of years. This is the site of the former Barclays, which also rotated throughout the New York area. So really, these guys played it two years ago in 2019 when Patrick Reed won, and they played it in 2013 when Adam Scott won, a lot of people are going to be looking and say, oh, Dustin Johnson destroyed the field at this event last year. Yes, but that was in Boston at TPC Boston. So when you are handicapping this, make sure you look at what year the courses played for the certain tournaments because this Northern Trust does rotate through a lot of different courses, which makes it a little bit harder to handicap because really you're not looking at guys that do well because of a sponsor. You're looking at guys who do well on a certain course, and this one was here in 2019 and 2013. David, the first playoff event, a ton of huge names at the top of the favorites board right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. When you're looking for value or you're looking for your outright winner, what catches your eye? One guy that catches my right off the bat is, to me, arguably the best player in the game. That's Colin Morikawa, the reigning Open champion who also almost won the bronze medal, lost in the playoff, has basically leading the tour in shots gained on approach, shots gained total, shots gained tee to green. He's fourth in scoring. The guy is arguably the best player on tour right now, and he's getting the fourth best odds. So guys, that all due respect to John Rahm, your U.S. Open champ, Jordan Spieth, and DJ, they're getting better odds than him, and I just look at it as value. He's not getting the respect he deserves for a guy who basically plays well everywhere he goes. And one of the courses that you can compare Liberty National to, by the way it's laid out, is St. George's over at the, the Open Championship, which he won less than a month ago. So if you're going to be giving me 18-1 to odds – on a guy who won a major on a course that is somewhat similar to this, who finished fourth at the Olympics and fourth at the U.S. Open, lost in a playoff at the Memorial even before that, I'm going to be taking a Morikawa, who this course fits his game. He plays well every single week, and he's right there getting 18-1 to odds, and it's not 8-1 to like John Rahm. David, another player, another golfer you're looking at, Roy McIlroy at 22 to one. Sometimes the winning part of McIlroy is tough. You could bet him top 20, you could bet him top 10. Actually winning it, why should Rory have a chance at the Northern Trust this weekend? Ariel, I'll be honest, this was a tough one. I looked at this one last night, and I really like Rory here, but I was trying to convince myself that this is a guy who has an up-and-down season of anybody on tour, having played really well early, then he missed a cut at a couple of majors, couldn't get out of group play in the match play, but then turned around and played well, won the Wells Fargo, lost the bronze medal in the playoff, tied for 12th at the St. Jude. He's been right there, and like you said, top 10s, top 20s, he's there. The reason why I'm going to go stretch it a little bit and take him to win, as well as top 10s and top 20s, is this is what Rory does. This is his time of year. He's the all-time money leader when it comes to the FedEx Tour playoffs that have been out since 2007. His five wins are second most to DJ. He played well here in 2019, T6, got a T20 in 2013, and his game fits it. He's his eighth T to green and 12th overall in shots gained. To me, with Rory, you're judging his season based on one win, a lot of top 10s, but a lot of close finishes. This is the type of event that 
Rory can control the narrative, get himself into the Tour Championship, and possibly win the FedEx Cup for the third time. He's one of only two-time winners, him and, and Tiger Woods. This is what he does, and I think Rory's game is where it needs to be. He just needs to close out, and I think this is the type of course he can do it well. But it's Rory, and, and, and you've seen from Rory, he'll have some good weeks, he'll have some bad weeks, and sometimes he'll do it both in the same week. But when, when kind of measuring what he's doing, this is the type of course and event that gets his game going. And keep in mind, he's only 26 in the FedEx Cup right now. That's not solid to make the top 30. It's there, but he still needs to take care of business the next two weeks to guarantee himself a shot at the title at the end of the year. David, you mentioned back in 2013, Adam Scott won this event. He is a long shot this week, as is Jason Kokrak. Why do you like the sprinkle value component of these two guys to win this Northern Trust? Well, starting with Adam Scott, everyone saw what he did last week where he made a weekend charge. And, you know, he started the week 121st in the FedEx Cup, which by no means was guaranteeing him a shot at this week. Played extremely well, lost in the playoff, missed a four-foot putt that would have given him the win. I think after... A slow start to the season where he didn't play as many events due to being in Australia for COVID and not getting his game to where it needs to be. What I saw last week out of Adam Scott, where he was pretty much T4 or better in almost every shots game category, means his game is where it needs to be. Now he goes to a course you mentioned he won in 2013. He also finished fifth here in 2019, and he's only 82nd in the FedEx Cup. Still needs to get into the top 70 for his season to continue. So I like to see a lot more of what Adam Scott did last week, again this week, to get himself into the BMW in Maryland and then try to make that run at the Tour Championship. As far as Jason Kokrad is concerned, he hasn't done well lately. Call it what it is. Recent form, not good. Nothing higher than a top 12 at the Rocket Mortgage since, since his last win at the Charles Schwab back in May. But what I do like about him is both his wins this year the CJ Cup and the Charles Schwab were on bent grass-type courses, which is what you're going to get at Liberty National. Uh, his two wins were on those type of courses, also played well here in 2019 and 2013, and you're getting 66-1 to 1 odds. Why? Because he hasn't played well recently. But this is the time to do it. you got three events left. He's comfortably into next week, but still has some work to do to guarantee himself a shot in Atlanta in two weeks. I love my props. And David Berryman, ESPN.com, going to break them down for us for the Northern Trust this weekend. Where are you going for a top 20 this week? There's two guys that I'm looking at. I'll, I'll start with the longer shot, Harold Varner III. It's not, not one of the names you hear often on tour. Here's a guy who finished T3rd here in 2019, and he fits my narrative of guys that you're looking at right around that top 70 cut line that need to do well to ensure their season goes on. Varner? 72nd. He's a guy on that line. He needs to do well to get above the top 70. Played well here two years ago, finishing third behind Reed and others. And I think it's just someone that you're getting six to one odds on him to finish in the top 20, which is something he's going to need to do if you want his season to continue. Um, another guy I'm looking at, Patrick Reed, won this event last time he was at Liberty National in 2019. He led the field in shots gained in third in the green that week. Also, I mentioned at the top that this is not a course many people have seen that often, having only played here in 2019 and 2013. Patrick Reed, Captain America, played here in 2017 as part of the USA President's Cup team, going 3-1-1. One, and one. He did well here, and it's playoff time. Much like Rory, Patrick Reed is someone who plays very, very well during the playoff. He's sitting at 22nd, so it's no lock for him to make it to Atlanta, which he has done each of the last seven years. You can get him at a good price at plus three and a half, three and a half to one to finish in the top ten, 
why the odds like that. He hasn't played extremely well lately. Not not anything better than a top 15 over the last couple of months. But he's a guy who shows up when it matters at tough courses, at tough events. And I see him doing very well this week to get on to BMW and Atlanta. David, quickly here, only about 45 seconds. It's a thought process behind your bets for a PGA Tour event. How much of your betting handle goes to tournament props and top 10 finishing positions versus the outright board? Again, only about 45 seconds. Most of my money goes to the top 10s, top 20s, and some matchups, and I sprinkle the outright winners because it's like a lottery ticket. you got to really just pick one guy out of 125, sometimes 150. So I'll play a couple of my guys for a little bit, basically about a half a unit, and then the rest I'll do full or two units on matchups and props because that's really where the money is. Last week I won money on getting three-and-a-half-to-one shots like Webb Simpson and others finishing in the top 10. Love it. Lots of value there on that Northern Trust board and ESPN.com's David Bierman always writing up those articles on the chalk with all his information as well. David, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the golf and the football. Good luck to your bets. And coming up next, we're going to give you some of our bets. We're going to the Major League Baseball board. I'm so excited. Yankees, Red Sox, 1 o'clock, doubleheader. Can't get better than this. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Can't get enough of us? You could go right over to Sports Grid's Twitter. We have two of them, Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. We've given you the 24-7 edge there on the grid all over social media. Make sure to check it out. Great videos, great updates, great news, and great betting advice. Here on our show the morning after, we are going to give you some more advice, and we're going to go to Major League Baseball's odds board. So we're going to give you our favorite props on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's get to K-Props. Unlike yesterday, I actually like strikeout props today. It's a great day for strikeout props. Going to the Oakland Athletics game against the Chicago White Sox. The Oakland starter is righty Chris Bassett. And I might have tossed things over to Ben because my internet is being bad. So, Ben, you start. Okay, well, let's stick with the city of Chicago then. But we're not going to go to the south side. We're going to go to the north side. And the Chicago Cubs, who are terrible at hitting the baseball currently, 25 of the last 31 opposing starting pitchers have struck out the Cubs five times or more. When Wade Miley goes over his strikeout prop for just the second time in his last nine starts against you, and he finishes with seven strikeouts yesterday against the Chicago Cubs, you know things are bad for the Cubbies. In fact, they have the highest K rate in all Major League Baseball all year long against right-handed pitching at 27%. The highest since the All-Star break, up at 27.6%. So high in the last two weeks at 32.2%. Vladimir Gutierrez is starting for the Reds today against the Chicago Cubs. 
His K prop is five and a half. The over has the plus money at plus 104. The under has the juice at minus 134. In fact, the juice has actually worked away from that over a little bit from the beginning of this morning when I saw this number. It was even money to the over. Now it's plus 104. But Vladimir Gutierrez has been very good lately for Cincinnati. He has won his last four straight starts, and he has gone over this number of five and a half strikeouts in two straight starts. So... If you're looking to fade the Chicago Cubs, and you should be because they have lost 12 straight games, maybe you look at Vladimir Gutierrez or another area I like in this game. And I'll quickly touch on this now before pitching it back to Ariel Epstein for another strikeout prop. And that would be the Reds team total over. For the game overall, the total is 9.5. The Reds team total is 5. The over has the juice at minus 115. The Reds, since the All-Star break, are the second-best offense in all of Major League Baseball. They also have the second-highest over percentage in all of MLB at 57% of their games going over. And that goes up at home to 60.3%, the fourth-highest in Major League Baseball. And they have gone over this number in five of five in five of their last six games at the Great American Ballpark. So you could not have a number that I would not touch on the Reds for their team total today as the Cubs have allowed their opponents to score in double-digit figures in four of the last six games. So I like the Reds team total over against the Cubs today. Also, Vladimir Gutierrez's K-prop over of five and a half against the Cubbies. I'm just having bad luck Ariel, today because now the you dogs are, are going oh. crazy okay, cool. after the internet was bad. Oh. So before my dog goes crazy, Chris Bassett is my favorite strikeout prop of the day. I'm going to give that out as my best bet. The Oakland Athletics are on the road at the White Sox. Top 10 K rate against right-handed pitchers. Bassett's gone over this total of five and a half strikeouts in all five starts that he's had against teams with a top 10 K rate. Also, Chicago White Sox, ninth highest strikeout rate in baseball, 11th highest in the second half, 7th highest in August, and 12th highest against pitchers or excuse me against uh right-handed pitchers i'm gonna take the over five and a half strikeouts for chris bassett today ben i don't mind it i like that you got it off there even with the dogs barking a little bit the white Sox, despite being a very fun and exciting teams both of these teams actually in contention for that american league playoff picture at the moment the white Sox have been striking out more especially here in the month of august and since the all-star break overall there is a k-prop that i might look to Depending on the number, if and when this game is posted, it's Kyle Gibson for the Philadelphia Phillies in Arizona in the desert tonight against the Diamondbacks. The game itself is not listed yet on the FanDuel Sportsbook, but I'm looking to fade the Diamondbacks, the third highest K rate against right-handed pitching since the All-Star break at 25.2%. That has gone up by more than 3.5% against right-handers in the last two weeks at 28 Now, Kyle Gibson, although he was great to start out the year with the Texas Rangers, is not exactly filling it up in the strike zone right now in terms of getting actual strikeouts here as of late. Five Ks or less for Kyle Gibson in his last five starts. And since joining the Phillies at the trade deadline, he has made three starts and he is averaging 3.7 strikeouts. So although I'm looking to fade the D-backs who are up there near 30%, in strikeout rate against right-handed pitching in the past two weeks. Kyle Gibson, not necessarily the guy to fill it up and to tally a bunch of those Ks against the Diamondbacks. I do not believe Ariel Epstein is back, so I'll continue going with some of my favorite plays here on the Major League Baseball card. I'm here. She is here. Never mind. Ariel. I'm sliding Do you have another play that you would like to give out? Okay, yeah, but go ahead. Mood. The cleaning women arrived, and the dogs were not excited about it. Anyway. It's not supposed uh, to be till noon. 
Noon on Tuesday. I come know. on. Tell my parents this. I told them, don't let the cleaning women come until uh, noon. But anyway, um, I am going with another strikeout prop. Adam Wainwright is confusing the heck out of me. St. Louis Cardinals are uh, hosting the Milwaukee Brewers today. Now, Milwaukee has the seventh highest carry in baseball overall. However, if you look at their stats over the last two months, in the second half of the season, they have the third lowest carry in baseball. In the month of August, the Brewers have the second lowest K rate in baseball. Then you do look at the pitchers they've faced, and they haven't really faced pitchers that are that good, which is why it scares me to bet an under here. However, for the starter, Adam Wainwright, 12 of the last 13 starting pitchers against Milwaukee have had five strikeouts or less. Wainwright's strikeout prop is five and a half with the juice to the under. I'm leaning under, but I'm scared to pull the trigger, Ben. I also look at Uncle Chuck, as he is called, and Adam Wainwright, and he is much better at home than he is on the road. So let's look at the splits right now. The home road splits for the elder statesman of the St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff, 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. At home this year, oh, actually his away stats have become a little bit better, at least in terms of win-loss. But at home this year, he's 6-4 and four with a 2.78 ERA, and he has tallied 85 strikeouts overall. At home, the win-loss record's not bad, 5-2, and two, but he's got a 4.12 ERA, only 52 strikeouts away. Of course, he is pitching under the arch tonight in St. Louis, so that might mean more strikeouts, but the Brewers have been a team that have completely turned around because they were a top-10 team, a top-5 team, it seemed, throughout most of the early portion of this Major League Baseball season, that any time you saw a Major League Baseball card, you would look to fade them and get a K-prop of a starting pitcher that was facing them. Now it's completely the other way. Like you mentioned, the third lowest K-rate since the All-Star break. So it's an interesting number. I look at Adam Wainwright, five and a half would be exactly where I look to, and I know the under has the juice, and I agree with it. I think he probably finishes with five. I think it's going to be like right there on that number. I don't think it's any less than that. So an interesting play but a play I do not mind. Another play I'm going with, which is going to be taking a side, not a strikeout prop, is the New York Yankees in game one of their doubleheader with the Boston Red Sox. This line is all over the place on odds boards. You could get it as low as minus 113, as high as minus 125, minus 130. The Yankees in a seven-inning game, with the way that their pitching has been going, I could see the Yankees being the better team here over the Red Sox. The Yankees, as we've mentioned many times, the hottest team in baseball in the second half of the season. The Red Sox, one of the coldest. The Red Sox have dropped out of first place since the All-Star break of the American League East. Tampa's taken over, and the Yankees now at minus 120 with Jordan Montgomery on the mound in Yankee Stadium. The Yankees have been playing these games pretty close, so I'm going to say the Yankees on the money line would be my bet for game one, Ben. Also, you look at game number two, Luis Gill going for the Yankees, who has been an absolute stud in his first couple of starts at the Major League level. I pulled up his game log on ESPN. They don't have it, but we do know that he is 1-0 with a zero ERA. Nothing. Nilch. Nada. Nothing there for Luis Gill. He has been really dominant in his first couple of starts for the Yankees. And I'm also pulling up the stats to see the record in the second game of a doubleheader this year. The Yankees are 2-0 in the second game of a doubleheader. The Red Sox 3-1, so also pretty good. And when you look at the spread and you look at those numbers for the second game of this doubleheader, the Yankees and the Red Sox even both ways. Minus 108, minus 108. Nathan Avaldi starting for the Red Sox. I have one more area I'm looking at, and that's the Nationals team total under 
against the Blue Jays today. It's at home in the nation's capital. The under is set at minus 106. The juice is of a three and a half team total for the Nats. The Nats have the third highest under percentage at home this year at 59%. The starter for Toronto today is Alec Manoa, who has been a stud in his rookie campaign, 5-1 and one this year, a 2.59 ERA, has only allowed six earned runs in his last six starts overall, including three shutouts. And in four of Manoa's last six road starts this year, the opponent team total has stayed under this number. That's not all Alec Manoa, but it's also the Blue Jays bullpen. But in four of Manoa's six road starts this year, they have gone under that number of three and a half. And the Nats also stink. They have lost seven straight, 12 of their last 13. They have gone under this number of three and a half in two of their last three home games. I'm looking to the Nats team total under of that three and a half against the Blue Jays today. Oh, okay. I can see it. And that, another under that's intriguing, Detroit. They have the second most unders when playing at home. The Mets have the most. Detroit hitting unders at a clip of just over 60%. It just scares me a little bit because Dylan Bundy and Casey Mize on the mound, both these pitchers are super inconsistent. Even though Detroit in the second half of the season has been 10-5-2 over under when playing at home, the pitching matchup scares me for its reliability purposes. So I'm probably going to stay away. Seems like a cape prop day for me as opposed to taking sides where I've been leaning towards more recently coming up next one of the sharpest men in Las Vegas Bill Krakenberger joining the show he's going to give us some preseason betting advice in the NFL stay on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com here on the morning after on sports grid it's sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein we're going to talk nfl preseason betting ben unders were the story last week as only two games ended up going over in the first preseason game or in the first preseason week when it comes to betting this week how are you going to readjust your handicap Well, it's going to be very interesting to see because are we going to see totals that would be a little bit under just based on the fact we had so many unders last week? The average score over the 16 games was 31.9 points per game. That is a ton of unders. We saw so many unders across the week one slate of the NFL preseason. And when you look across the board right now, the first two games you would see between the Patriots and the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Cardinals, one on Thursday, the other one on Friday night, is 39 for Pat's Eagles, 41 Chiefs Cardinals. So maybe that not being undered by the book, but that is something we have to take into consideration. Might we see some totals that are a little bit smaller this week? And should we work in contradiction to actually go take overs to try to go back and see all those overs come in through the sportsbooks posting those numbers? 
One man who is going to join us in just a little bit, Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest men in Las Vegas. He has a lot of great advice going into preseason week two. The question always in the NFL is how are you going to adjust your handicap week to week? In the preseason, it's a lot more difficult because what we saw last week, especially when it came to taking sides, that line movement didn't matter. That reverse line movement, any kind of contrarian plays. It didn't really mean much. We saw a lot of line movement going into week one of the preseason, and a lot of these dogs or a lot of the ways that the lines moved sometimes cashed in on the opposite side anyway. Saw the line move in Jacksonville's favor by about 20 cents, and still the Cleveland Browns ended up cashing in the win. Bringing in Bo Krakenberger now. Crack, when it comes to adjusting or readjusting your handicap going into week two of the preseason, after all those unders last week, how can we adjust? First of all, uh, thanks for having me on again. I think I'm going to put Ben on my team. I talked to my analytics team already. I think he was the only winner I know last week. Um, yeah, the, the, these uh, the, these uh, preseason games sometimes. I mean, we, we lost juice. I went 4-4-1. Four, four and one. T- Took a terrible push on one of the games. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, oh, New Orleans Saints. I had Saints plus three and, and winning the whole game until the end. Uh, took a push on that game because of a two-point conversion. But, you know, I'm not making excuses. Listen. You just said something, Mario. It's fantastic. Um, how many of these games moved around, like Jacksonville getting the best of it? I got the best of it with San Fran. I laid pick a minus 30 all around town here. I'm in Vegas. so I was at the Golden Nugget. I ran over there. I bet 1000 bucks. I bet 1000 at, at like four different places that took 1000 bucks. That goes to show you, though, too. And my brain's all scatterbrained. So give you the example from Atlantic City, uh, from New Jersey books and, and Vegas and Vegas books. You had to run around about a thousand dollars in person because the app only gives you three hundred bucks. Where it's the opposite in New Jersey. I could bet a FanDuel or DraftKings or something thousands and thousands of dollars on one play. As a matter of fact, um, I buddy bet the Detroit Lions first half for like five grand at one of the books in Jersey. And uh, here you couldn't get five thousand down if you went to every single book in town combined. You couldn't get five thousand down on a first half bet, but yet. Jersey is uh, ahead of, of, of Nevada, so hard to believe. People are probably shocked to hear that. But let's go back to your original um, questioning. And, uh, yeah, so last week, a lot of these games that moved absolutely did not get the money. I don't know a single syndicate that, that, that won last week. So uh, some of them are on Twitter admitting, the, the ones that I respect, actually, that they went like three and five. And, you know, it, it, it was uh, it's frustrating when you get the line so right, you get the information so correct um, the Lions was my first half giant play for me, by the way, um, because we are listening to social media. And, uh, and and matter of fact, it was correct. The uh, Buffalo Bills did run 14 of the first 16 plays. They were running the ball on third and five, third and seven, running the ball. Um, they, they, they actually were a little more conservative, but the Lions were just that bad. I thought this coach was going to be – it was that bad. So here I am. I think I text Ariel, DM'd her three or four games. I think I went one and three. Um, I said, this this poor girl, she's, she's I got her in a homeless shelter already. The season didn't even start. So, um, uh, and anyway, yeah, so, so and then, but then I seen something about Ben. Uh, like, I seen a, a tweet where he went like. We're calling you know, him preseason Ben now. Yeah, preseason Ben. Well, you got two more weeks, Ben. <laughs> Make sure you put your picks out there, buddy. Um, but I heard you guys off air talk about one of you said something about maybe over money let me tell you this is something now 
You guys are going to love me every week. I'm going to give you what's called syndicate plays. These are syndicate plays. They're, they already moved. But interestingly enough, um, I seen over money because I think these games went 3 and 13 or something like that. I don't know. Three and, whatever they did, 3 and 12 on the um, overs. The, the unders were the way to go. And it's funny because the lines were actually lined about five points less than they were two seasons ago during preseason. So, again, the bookmakers know more. Again, um, it, it, usually I don't, I don't like to say that, especially preseason, but they definitely knew more uh, this, this particular weekend. Some of the games that went over barely went over. You know, and then, you know, then again, some of the games that, that went under barely went under. So they, they, were, they were pretty much lined pretty good. Um, I also noticed that it didn't happen this weekend. The, the ties didn't come into play. However, I still like playing the money line rather than the spread if I'm betting on a, uh, a favorite. Because it could have. Like, I think it was the Arizona. I think Arizona played the Dallas the other day. And they kicked the last second field goal. It could have landed 15-15. Or 16-16, I think. Or whatever it was. But So it, it, it could because, it, they, 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 listen, they want to win, but... If it, it, it's, it could land on a uh, on a tie in which they're not playing overtime, especially if a, uh, a late score in the third quarter, maybe even early fourth quarter, that they tie it up. You know, they're not thinking that, that they want to go for the win that early, but you know, they, they slow the clock down in the fourth quarter. They want to get no one hurt, so maybe maybe they're uh, they could land on. It. So anyway, um, that being said, though, yet yesterday I actually bet a favorite. Um, I, I bet ready for next week. I bet a couple games. I bet San Fran. Um, minus four, and I, I don't like laying points like that preseason. I'm only going again by what social media says. He says he's going to start Garoppolo, going to give him a couple sets. Uh, Trey Lance is going to come in. Is this? Who knows? He may even be fighting for a starter job. So um, I, I did put my money, uh, you know, where my mouth is. But you guys, going back again to what you guys said, you guys said some over money, and yes, there have been syndicate plays on some over money. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read them for you real quick here. So, game 406, Washington and Cincinnati, over 33 was played. So, uh, surprisingly, not the under on a lot of the, on a lot of these games. Uh, there was one, though, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, uh, under 37. But let's go to the overs. So, like, game 403, Kansas City, Arizona, over 38 was hit yesterday. I didn't hit that, but it was hit. It went to 41. So, this is like one of the higher um, uh, games here. Um uh, here's an under Giants, Cleveland under 37 and a half. Uh, I'll give you the rest of these games. But again, I did not uh, bet these games, but I I, I, uh, I know these were the syndicate moves yesterday. Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half. Uh, Miami Dolphins minus three and a half. Oh, God, I hate betting favorites like this. But I, I did bet San Fran, like I said. Here's an interesting one. The Rams plus seven, seven and a half. Uh, playing the Raiders, it just, you don't see seven and a half. You don't see two scoring dogs. You don't see them in preseason. Um, I actually don't know. Are the, are the Rams that bad? Was Did the Raiders look that good? Did the Raiders game plan to play a couple of their starters with this week? I just seen the move, and I uh, didn't look into it yet, but, man, plus seven points. It looks so juicy to have a dog like that first season when when really you're, you're, you're maybe giving your, your offensive team a, a one set or something or you know, having only three games, three preseason games this season, the talk is really they want to get work for the the, the, the second, third teams, the guys that are still trying to make the team. There will be some cuts. And, uh, 
it just seems like a lot of points there uh, for a preseason game. But have I talked enough? Sorry, I, th- I talked too much. No, crack. I mean, we love all of this knowledge. The Raiders and the Rams, by far the largest spread we see for preseason week number two. And crack, we talked last week about these line movements that we could see and even line flips. And it really goes to show that the bookmakers have a little bit of uncertainty in setting their numbers initially. Do you think that is also the case for week number two? Or do the books have a little bit more of a sharper perspective on how things might play out in preseason week number two? Yeah, I think they have a a little more of a perspective, but I still think we as sharp sports bettors definitely have an edge uh, over the bookmaker because uh, it's a line that's put up. Uh, Let me tell you how it works, okay? So guys will sit around in a room and sharper guys, and I'm talking about guys like, uh, you know, um, the Circa guys or maybe even the Westgate guys, or it could be the offshore guy um, who, who puts out the original line, and they sit around, the, the two or three uh, guys, and they say, what do you think it'll be? What do you think it'll be? What do you think it'll be? So uh, what do you think it should be? What do you think will induce two-way action? Because that is the real thing. Uh, I, I said, what should it be? No. What should induce the two-way action of betting both sides of the game? Um, so they actually sit around. They, they come up with a line. But for this type of weeks, like this preseason, when there's not a lot of information out there of who's going to be playing this is almost anyone's guess before they put it up they put up then the uh sharp guys the teams come in like like the k wins crack wins team and we scour the internet to find out information and see what they're uh what they're really going to do obviously with full force everyone dressing and everyone playing during week one week two um we, we get a more of a grasp on uh, what's going to happen compared to preseason. So um, I'll just tell you, though, the bookmakers, two different bookmakers in town here have said they never expected what they had this past week. The preseason football had so much, by the way, biggest number one volume week by far. They've never seen anything like it, mm. didn't expect it. So if this is a, a, a blueprint of what's to come, this is going to be a crazy season breaking all volume and records of nfl betting and what that tells me is the uh, all these new jurisdictions that are uh, accepting sports wagering um it, it's spreading it's spreading like uh, this little thing of ours is uh is spreading like wildfire again i just always say i i, I want this done you're not going to find anyone else on these shows to talk like this i want this done responsibly i want gambling to be shown responsibly and i'll tell you Whenever I'm back there, and I'm going to be back there a lot for the for the, for the NFL season, I, I I get sick of all the commercials that I see. I mean, they 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 have millions of commercials. I mean, every station during soap operas and game shows to nighttime when there's sports events on, they're going after housewives. They're going after you know uh, just everyone they can get. And I just hope it's done responsibly because uh, there could be a lot of trouble for for people that gamble, and and they have to they have to know their bank. They have to stay within themselves. Bankroll management. The skill sets, such and such. So, it was the first time that we saw a team like the Washington Football Team yesterday pair up with American Gaming, also to promote responsible gaming. But Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest in Vegas, make sure to catch him at the Crack Wins app for more of his plays and his smart analysis. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Coming up next, Ben and I are going to give out our best bets of the day until Bet Do Us part. 
Stay right here on the grid as we close out this Tuesday edition of The Morning After. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network, with Ben Stevens and myself. We'll be back with our best bets of the day, so don't go anywhere. K-Props, Major League Baseball, all of it. Come SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. segment on the morning after on sports grid thanks for tuning in on sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein it's time for our best bets of the day let's get to to bet to us part I'm going with a strikeout prop. I am taking the Oakland Athletics starter, Chris Bassett, over five and a half strikeouts. It's juiced to minus 132 to the over. The Chicago White Sox have the ninth highest strikeout rate in baseball. They also have the 12th highest strikeout rate when facing a right-handed pitcher. Against teams with the top 10 or top 15 K rate against righties, Bassett has gone over this number in all five of those starts. He's averaging just over seven strikeouts per game when facing a team with a top 10 K rate against right-handed pitchers. I'm taking the over five and a half strikeouts for Chris Bassett tonight. Ben, what do you got? You are fading one Chicago team in a way I'm fading the other Chicago team. I'm looking at the Reds at home today against the Chicago Cubs and the Reds team total over of five. Now, Cincinnati has the second highest over percentage in all of Major League Baseball at 57% this year. That goes up to 60.3% at home in the Great American Ballpark. Oh, by the way, the Cubs stink. They've lost 12 straight games and allowed four of their last six opponents to score in double figures. In fact, Cincinnati has gone over this number in five in five of their last six home contests. So yeah, Cincinnati over five against the Chicago Cubs. Honestly, Ariel, you couldn't post a bigger, you couldn't post a number big enough I would not take on the Reds today. So Reds team total over of five against the Cubs. Then all in on those Reds, I've got Bassett over five and a half strikeouts. Thanks for joining us here on the morning after on Sports Grid. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We have a ton of content coming up here on the grid. I know football full circle comes up, and we have FST, and uh, we have a lot of different programming here on the grid across all of our different platforms, so stay right here. But for Ben and I, we'll be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time, and good luck to your bets tonight. We don't have another same game parlay for you like we had yesterday with the home run prop, a total, and a side. So hopefully our best bets are enough to make you some cash. See you tomorrow. Good luck tonight. Remember, you can listen to Sports Grid on the radio, TV, satellite, or the internet to make it any.